Welcome back to another special edition of the Keisha Covered podcast brought to you by CapFed True Blue, our partner here at uh, Keisha Covered. Um, we've been coming to you weekly, it seems like now, uh, deep in the heart of championship season. We've gotten through a number of our fall sports championships already. We've covered tennis, we've covered golf, we've covered gymnastics, and two more were held last weekend. We had state volleyball and state cross country being held across the state, and we will start with state volleyball and uh, new champions crowned uh, in those classes this year and in most in most divisions. But we'll start in Class 6A and Class 5A, which were held in Salina. And Scott, you got the chance to take in both of those tournaments. Talk to us a little bit about uh, Class 6A and Class 5A, both with new champions uh, earning their first ever state championships. Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. That was kind of the, the storyline at, uh, at Salinas Tony's uh, Pizza Event Centers that uh, – Mill Valley wins its first state championship in Class 6A, and and then Seaman, uh, after finishing fourth the last couple of years, they they come in and win the Class 5A title, knocking off the defending champions in, in St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, you know, starting in 6A, Mill Valley uh, had its highest finish ever last year, finishing fourth, and came back with a a really good team. and And uh, I think the thing about this this Final Four that I noticed was a very a lot of familiarity with these teams. Uh, Mill Valley and, and uh, the runner-up Blue Valley North uh, had played four. This, this was their fourth meeting in Saturday's championship, and and uh, really uh, the, fir- the the series kind of marked a turning point for Mill Valley. Mill Valley played uh, Blue Valley North uh, back in early September and really took it on the chin. A couple uh, lost in two sets that the Blue Valley North really dominated, and it was kind of one of those those matches in the Olathe South tournament that forced uh, uh, Mill Valley to do a little bit of reflection and then. Uh, you know, at that at that time, Blue Valley North was off to a 25 and 0 start, uh, really looking like a strong contender to to win the 6A title, and and uh, w- was on a roll at that point. But but uh, later in September, uh, Mill Valley came back and beat them for the first time, handed Blue Valley North its first loss of the season, uh, and then defeated uh, the Mustangs on their home floor uh, prior to state. So they had that momentum, they had that confidence they could they could uh, you know compete with and, and defeat Blue Valley North and and uh, you know, they, I think they needed it. There wasn't a lot of separation in, in this final four. The, the two semifinal matches were, were uh, you know, really hard-fought matches. The, the first games in each of those sets were, were nail-biters. And, and uh, um, uh, you know, Mill Valley got through uh, Blue Valley West, uh, 25-23, 25-20 in the semis. And then Blue Valley North had to go three sets against Olathe Northwest in the, in the other semifinal. And, uh, you know, Mill Valley is one of their standouts. Caitlin Burke told me she thought that might might have been a, a real tipping point toward uh, Mill Valley's ad- advantage in the championship match. And, and uh, you know, Blue Valley North just a look, looked a little out of sync in, in the uh, early going of the championship match. Uh, and Mill Valley capitalized. Burke was outstanding. Uh, freshman Riley Riggs is, is one to watch for the future for Mill Valley. Just an outstanding hitter. Uh, you know, and Kylie Corneliuson, the coach for Mill Valley, in her second year, now has a fourth place and, and, a, and a championship uh, with with some outstanding players returning. So, uh, Mill Valley just had the had all the answers. Kind of had that upper hand uh, on Blue Valley North in the final, and and uh, uh, you know had to had to hold off a charge in that first game, but then came back and, and won the second game or second set. Uh, 25 to 19. So uh, Mill Valley caps the season with a 37 and five record. Again, winning uh, one year after they fell to Blue Valley North in the, in the 6A third place match a year ago. So uh, congratulations to the Jaguars. And then uh, 
uh, in 5A, which started Saturday's competition. Uh, just an outstanding performance from the Seaman Vikings. They, uh, uh, you know, just taking on defending champion uh, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas in, in the title match and and uh, really just just played better. I mean, they they really earned this this uh, championship. And again, they had lost uh, to Aquinas earlier in the season, and and that that match uh, kind of. Uh, talking to the Vikings really forced them to do a little bit of reflection and, and kind of figure out what they needed to do, to do better down the road. And, and uh, you know, whereas the, the 6A semifinals were tight, close contested matches, uh, Seaman and Aquinas really came out and established themselves in the semifinals. Seaman got off to a great start in its victory over May South. And then uh, over on the other court, uh, Aquinas, uh, I think, scored the first 11 points in, in, in set one against uh, Spring Hill. So you had two teams that were really on, looked like they were sharp and on their games uh, that day. And that kind of played out, got them into the, the championship match. But but it was something that, uh, you know, Seaman was able to carry forward. And, and uh, uh, you know, they never trailed in, a, in that first set against Aquinas. Uh, Megan Mills had an eight, and just an outstanding day for, for uh, the Vikings and, and Brooklyn Gormley, who, you know, it was kind of fun to talk to her afterwards because Seaman had finished fourth, uh, you know, the previous two years. And, and she said, you know, Saturdays at the, at the state tournament uh, had kind of been a bummer for her throughout her career. This was her, uh, you know, you know, final chance to, to try to get past that semifinal round. She finally did it. Uh, she's of course uh, naturally said, yeah, this is a much better feeling. So, uh, you know, an outstanding, Seaman just did a, a really consistent program. And then finally, you know, maybe wasn't the favorite to get this done because St. Thomas Aquinas had an outstanding team, but uh, uh, Seaman, you know, definitely played better when the, when the spotlight was on and, and got the job done. So, uh, you know, a great, a great season there for, for Seaman, which wins uh, 16 of their final 17 matches, finishes 38 and six. And, and oh, by the way, coach Tatiana Dowling uh, gets her 200th career victory on Saturday. So uh, just kind of a perfect day for Seaman and, uh, uh, you know, two really worthy champions, even even though they were first-time champions, both uh, Mill Valley uh, and Seaman, uh, you know, Mill Valley in 6A and Seaman in 5A at, at, at Salina on Saturday. Yeah, I've had a chance to see Seaman play uh, a number of times, obviously living uh, living here in Topeka and actually living about two blocks from from that school. So I've, I've had a chance to see that team, and they just have so many weapons. Uh, you know, they, I think they tried out five girls that, that are six foot or taller, and they all have bring something a little different. You know, Mills powerful on the outside, obviously their their go to hitter. But Reagan McGivern, she's the Villanova commit uh, in the middle on that quick set. She's unstoppable. And then you have Gormley, Ava Esser, and Maggie Molden also um, also all bigger than six foot. And then Taylor Stahlbomber, she's she's not six foot, but a heck of a jumper, a, a state caliber sprinter. And so yeah, Seaman uh, had all the pieces. It was just whether they could. Uh, kind of overcome that mental that mental block of of getting past that fourth place uh getting past those semifinals matches and you know the, one of the big things in 5a2 scott was st james academy not playing in, on the second day of the tournament that uh that's just a complete rarity since the program started um you know several years ago they'd made it to the championship match not just semifinals championship match every year but two years and one of those was that weird covid year 
where we played quarterfinals uh, more regionally, and, and they had to go against Aquinas when those two teams were uh, probably not only the best two teams in 5A, they were both nationally ranked teams at that point. And so, uh, you know, they very easily could have made a championship match every year but one in their existence. And so for them not to be there on the second day, I thought that really maybe played a factor into, into Siemens' run because they would have had to gone through either St. James or Aquinas in that semifinals. And those two just carry a certain – aura or mystique when they get out to Salina and out to the state tournament. And so, uh, you know, with, with Seaman have getting to play May South, you know, that's not, that's not St. James and May South, obviously a tremendous team with a load of talent this year, but it just, the name doesn't carry the same weight as a St. James Academy or a St. Thomas Aquinas does when it comes to state. And so I think that was a, that was a big key too, with St. James not making it out to the second day of the tournament. Yeah, it truly opened the door. And like you said, Bay South and, and uh, Spring Hill, both very good teams. Uh, but there is uh, St. James has created that aura, uh, and especially through the years in 5A. And, and to not have them there, I mean, you know, I'm not, it wasn't inside the kids' heads mentally, but, but you've got to think that there was a, a boost there, not, you know, knowing that St. James was not there. And, and uh, you know, it still, it was still was no, it wasn't easy to get through Aquinas, but, but Seaman definitely played with confidence. Uh, they, they really, um, you know, like I said, got off to a tremendous start against May South in, in the semifinals and, and really just carried that on through and, and, uh, uh, just had every answer. I think Aquinas made one really good run in, in game two, and and Seaman basically just turned it around, scored the next couple points, and said, "Nope, not today. I mean, this is it. This is our time." And and really played well. Yeah. So congratulations to Seaman and congratulations to Mill Valley. You know, Mill Valley was the only team out of the Final Four and Six A that didn't have a state championship on the resume going into the uh, going into the Final Four, and they had it and get it done in, in Class 6A. So congratulations to both of those programs for their state championships out in Salina. Class 4A and Class 3A were both held at the Hutchinson Sports Arena. And whereas we had new champions crowned in 6A and 5A, it was a little bit of the same old, same old down in Hutchinson with Bishop Miege capturing the state championship in Class 4A and then Olathe Heritage Christian capturing the championship in Class 3A. We'll start in 4A and... You know, the state tournament didn't exactly get off to a great start for Bishop Miege, uh, the defending state champion. Uh, they go out in their very first match, and they lose to top-seeded Clearwater 25-21, 25-18. And that kind of puts their backs against the wall because later on in pool play, they're going to have to take on Andale. And those two programs have gone back and forth. Uh, Miege beat Andale for the state title a year ago, and, and you knew that was going to be a match that – you know, if Andale comes out and wins that match, suddenly Bishop Miege is probably going home and, and uh, not playing for a state title this year. But uh, Miege follows up his loss to Clearwater by uh, handling Eudora 25-19, 25-12. And then they go out and they beat Andale 25-20, 25-20 to, uh, to get in position to win the, win the pool. And Clearwater then loses to Andale and loses to Eudora in the, in the final one. They lose a three-setter to Eudora in the last match of the night, and that sends them home from the tourney, puts Andale in as the number two seed coming out of that pool and puts those two teams in the semifinal. And on the other side of the bracket, it was kind of crazy. It was uh, McPherson goes 3-0 and um, to win that pool, but then everybody else goes 1-2. and You know, Circle looked like a team that maybe had a shot at winning it all. They open the day with a win over Holton, but then they lose to Lewisburg and they lose to Circle. And then... Uh, Lewisburg, after they uh, after they beat Circle, they'd already lost to McPherson. They turn around and lose to Holton, which had come in um, as kind of the upset special in sub-state play when they knocked off Rock Creek. And Holton ends its season 
with a with a nice quality three set win, 30-28 uh, loss in the first set, but then they win the next two, 25-22, 25-19. Lewisburg still gets the berth out of there, but you know it was kind of a little bit of craziness there in the seeing how that pool would shake out with uh, all those teams kind of knocking each other off. Uh, in the semifinals, Miege beats Lewisburg uh, pretty handily, 25-10, 25-17. McPherson beats Andale, 25-21, 25-17. And then in the finals, it was all it was all Miege. They were just had way too much for, for McPherson. Uh, they win 25-12, 25-14. So Miege adds another state championship to its legendary resume. Uh, Coach Lindsey Zeke Franco, um, you know, all she's done is now won three straight state titles. She won uh, – coaching Lewis Lansing uh, in 2021 in Class 5A, and then she moves over to her alma mater at Bishop Miege and has won two straight for, for Miege there. So Bishop Miege once again wins its championship in Class 4A. And then in Class 3A, you have uh, Aletha Heritage Christian. They had won the last two 3A titles and the last three straight state titles overall when in Class 2A in uh, 2020. Well, this year they uh, they come to the state tournament and they actually – they lose in their pool play. Uh, they lose to Beloit, uh, kind of like Miege lost to lost uh, to Clearwater in its pool. Uh, Heritage Christian was cruising along. I mean, absolutely dominated their pool. They beat Smoky Valley 25-8, 25-9, and then they beat Goodland 28-25-27, 25-12. So they, they're looking just invincible. But in that last match of their pool play, they run into a very good Beloit team. Uh, Addison Budkey and Miley Brown, two outstanding hitters for Beloit. And Beloit knocks them off 25-21, 18-25, 25-22. And that created a three-way tie uh, for first in the pool with Heritage Christian, Beloit, and the Smoky Valley all going two and one in pool play. Smoky Valley had beaten Beloit 25-22, 25-21 after its loss to Heritage Christian. So they had to go to a tiebreaker. Heritage Christian gets the top seed out of there. And then Smoky Valley uh, gets the number two seed. And so Beloit, kind of a tough luck, uh, tough luck deal. You go out and you beat uh, – Beat the two-time defending state champions and what eventually became the three-time, uh, three-time three-A state champions, and you get you don't even get to stick around and play the second day after after accomplishing that feat. Uh, so uh, it was a tough way for Beloit season to end, but at the same time, a great accomplishment that they can kind of use going forward, knowing that hey, we're right there with the best uh, best program in the state in Class Three A. And then on the other other pool. Uh, it was Silver Lake getting it done. Uh, you know, the Eagles, one of the most tradition-rich programs in Class 3A over the years, numerous titles under Angie Bittner and now and then numerous titles under Sarah Johnson as well. Uh, they go 3-0 and in their pool play, uh, knocking off Cheney to start the day, which was a, a big win for, for Silver Lake. And then they come back and they handle Neodache and Riverton pretty handily to go 3-0 and in their pool, and then Cheney bounces back from its opening loss, and they take on they uh, they get wins over Riverton and Yodache to earn the number two seed out of out of pool play. Uh, in the semifinals, Heritage Christian beats Cheney 25-17, 25-17, and then Smoky Valley and Silver Lake just have an epic battle in, in their semifinal. Uh, Silver Lake wins the first set 25-22, but then Smoky Valley comes back and 25-23, 25-23 in the next two sets to – punch their ticket to the finals. And I think that just took so much out of Smoky Valley. Um, and they really didn't have much of anything against Heritage Christian in the finals. Heritage Christian comes out 25-9 um, in the first set and then 25-17 in the second set to win their third straight Class 3A state championship, fourth straight overall, 
uh, seniors. Rachel Van Corp and Cy Ray Campbell have been starters on all four of those teams, two outstanding players uh, who are going big time in, in volleyball uh, in Division One, And so Heritage Christian caps another championship season with its third straight state title in 3A, fourth overall. Silver Lake ends up taking third. They get a rematch with Cheney in the third place match and win that 25-19, 25-23. So repeat champions in... 4A and 3A, and then Ricky. Also, we get 3A cha- repeat champions in 2A and Class 1A Division One. Yeah, um, and 2A Hillsboro, 1A Division One Little River. Um, you know, I think it was it was pretty apparent um, throughout the tournament that those that, that you know those teams were just a notch above everybody else. Uh, starting in 2A, um, you know, Hillsboro they didn't lose a set the entire tournament. Um, they met up with a Hoxie, Hoxie team that was riding a lot of momentum because they beat their uh, MCL rival Smith Center in the semifinals, um, and Hillsboro just kind of jumped on them in the in the first set, won that one, uh, won that one pretty pretty handily. Um, and then uh, that was 25-11. And then Hoxie, to their credit, came back and, um, you know, fought fought with Hillsborough in that second set. And Hillsborough ended up clinching it with a 25-22 win. But uh, the thing about Hillsborough is just that duo of Zaley Worth and uh, Savannah Shahan. I mean, they're, that, that's just a tough a tough group, a tough duo for any any team to contend with. Um, they're so versatile, and they got a lot of power, and they can play in the back row. I mean, uh, those two, I just don't think they were going to be denied. Um, you know, it was interesting in talking with their coach, Sandy Arnold. Uh, she almost stepped away last year and retired. I mean, it would have it would have been a good time for her to do so because uh, her daughter was a senior on that team, and you know it would have given her a chance to go go out on top. But she just couldn't she just couldn't really step away from from the group that that uh, she had coming back, and it was really really cool to see her get get another state title with with Hillsboro. But yeah, they were that that's just a a really really a really good senior class there that they have. Um, with uh, with Shahan and uh, and Worth, and then uh, they have an, another senior who's kind of a role player for them. But uh, yeah, just a, a dominant performance from from Hillsboro all the way through, and um, for Hoxie, uh, really a really impressive tournament for them. Uh, they had they had been beat by Smith Center twice in the regular season, but they were, were also they weren't at for full strength in those matches. Uh, I think they were without Kenley Rogers in at least one of those matches, maybe two, and she's just a a really big force in the middle. But, um, you know, that was a big hurdle for them to overcome in the semifinals to to make it to the finals, Um, and I know they were really excited about that. Um, I think they would have... They would have loved to 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 play a little bit better in in the final, but um, like I said, they came back that that second set and um, you know kind of really showed what they were made of. So uh, just an outstanding year for them. Um, and then for Smith Center, uh, they bounced back and, and took third place. Uh, and obviously another outstanding year under under Nick Lynn. Um, you know, talking a little bit about one A D one. Kind of the same thing in Little River. Um, I think they were the favorite again. Um, they have just a, an, an outstanding senior class as well. And um, Elena Eck 
Kathleen, Kathleen Elwood, Cammy Grasser, Aubrey Olander, and Ashley Stevenson, and uh, you know they were they were kind of rolling along against South Gray in the championship match. Uh, they won that 25-15 in the first set, and then South Gray uh, really came out and played in just an outstanding second set. They were able to get a 25-23 win, and then Little River, just like they did last year. I mean, last year's uh, title match went three sets against against Flint Hills and um, then that third set they just they just dominated each year and this year it was a 25-7 win over South Gray um, I, I'm just so impressed with Little River's balance um, you know Eck is obviously a huge hitter on the outside Olander in the middle uh, Ashley Stevenson I mean they 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 just don't have any any real weaknesses and that senior class has just met so much so much to the program they all started as freshmen which is kind of kind of crazy to think about um they were thrown into the fire when they were freshmen and ended up i think 18 and uh, i think right at 500 that year and um you know obviously last year was their breakthrough year and i and um you know once again that they were just a team that wasn't going to be denied um and then what a story south gray was um uh, you know they finished 41 and three. Um, you know they started off rough. They took a they took a loss um, against Atwood in their in their pool play opener, and you know fought back and and found a way to win their pool. And then they played really good. I thought they played really good volleyball on Saturday. They just they just kind of ran into a little bit of a juggernaut. But um, you know heck of a career for their for their senior class as well. Um, Kaylee Moyer, Vi Helm, Gentry Fosco School, Jason Hughes Camp, and Caden Tixon. Um, you know that I'm hope that they're hoping that the, that culture kind of kind of maintains with a with a couple with their uh, senior class next year. They got some good returners, so we'll we'll kind of see what they can do in the future. But um, yeah, overall, um, you know, it just. Uh, you know, I think Hillsborough and Little River were the favorites heading into it, and and they really both had had, had outstanding uh, tournaments to get the repeats. Yeah, and you look at Class One A Division One uh, repeat champion there as well. So you look at it: Six A, Five A, all new champions; Four A on down, all repeat champions from last year. And it was uh, Lebo successfully defending its state title against Hanover. Those two schools have played in the last three state championship matches in 1A Division II, and they met up again. Uh, first, they met in pool play, both Hanover and Lebo cruising through their pool. I, I can't say cruise. Hanover had a three-setter with Wheatland Grinnell to start the day, go, wins 25-20, loses 21-25, then wins the last one 25-21. But uh, from there on, uh, Lebo cruises past Buckland, cruises past Wheatland Grinnell, Hanover cruises past Buckland. That sets up a Pool play finale, Hanover against Lebo. And really it was just, okay, who's going to get w- which seed coming out of that pool? Uh, Hanover beats Lebo in pool play 25-18, 25-22. And that just kind of served as a little bit of motivation for the Wolves. Not that they needed it. I mean, anytime Lebo and Hanover get together, uh, in basketball, they played for the title last year with Hanover winning. Uh, they played, in ball, like I said, in volleyball the last two years, Hanover winning uh, two years ago, Lebo turning the tables and getting the win last year. So they both make it out to the semifinals and really, uh, really, you know, they, they were both favored to, to win those matches uh, in the semifinals. Hanover plays Beloit St. John's, which took second in its pool, uh, beats them 25, 10, 25, 20. And then Lebo has a little bit of a challenge in, in its, uh, 
in its semifinal match. Uh, Sharon Springs, Wallace County had a great season uh, coming out of the West, and they they win their won their pool going three and zero, and really only had one tough match in their pool play where they went three sets with Beloit St. John's Tifton, uh, dropping the first one 25-14, but then coming back and winning 25-22, 25-19. So that puts them against Lebo in the semifinals, and and Lebo wins the first uh, set 25-22, and then Sharon Springs comes back and wins the second 17-25, and that kind of puts Lebo up against it. But Lebo responds in a big way, wins 25-14 in that third set, and that just carries over to the finals. They beat Hanover 25-20 in the first set of the finals, and then just roll 25-10 in the second set. Uh, Sage Hadley, Audrey Peak, uh, two just dominating hitters for Lebo, who have been really key key players on this uh, this two-year title run. And they've been in the finals now four straight years, uh, two runner-up finishes before winning the last two. Hanover, uh, you know, another great season for Hanover. That's the uh, fourth t- straight year they've been in the finals. They won two titles. Uh, back in 20 and 21, and then take second to Lebo in 22 and 23. Lebo finishes the season with a 40 and three record. Uh, so a, a great season for them. Hanover finishes with a 35 and eight mark uh, overall. So, um, so or I'm sorry, a 36 and seven mark overall. So great seasons for Lebo and Hanover. Uh, you know, we'll see if they can reload and do it again. Uh, Lebo will lose Aubrey Peak off off of their team, but return Hadley and they return their setter Abby Jones and got some young players who have really kind of stepped up and filled some of the voids. So and Hanover had a lot of young talent as well. So it could be a this could be an ongoing thing for quite some time uh, if those two can fill a couple holes that that they need to fill. And so congratulations to all of our state champions in volleyball this year: Class Six A Mill Valley, Class Five A Seaman. Class 4A, Bishop Miege. Class 3A, Olathe Heritage Christian. Class 2A, Hillsboro. Class 1A, Division 1, Little River. And Class 1A, Division 2, Lebo. And while state volleyball was being held all across the state uh, in four different sites, we had state cross country being held in two different sites. And uh, while Scott and Ricky got to comfortable confines of uh, gymnasiums in, in Salina and in Dodge City, uh, Mac and I had to brave the elements uh, at uh, Rimrock Farm in Lawrence and Wamigo Country Club. And uh, Mac had a little bit worse weather than I did over in Lawrence. Uh, he, d- he didn't have the lightning delay the KU football game had, but he, he got some of the rain and, and some of the nasty weather that, uh, that went on in Lawrence, but still saw some outstanding performances over at Rimrock. And, and we'll let him talk about Class 6A and Class 5A to start things off with our state cross-country pre- uh, cr- coverage. Yeah, I'll start with the the whining about the weather part. Uh, it really wasn't that bad to start with. I mean, we it was cold early, and then the sun started to come out, and you're like, okay, I can take one of these layers. Oh, never mind. The it all of a sudden the sun went down. You didn't get the sun. Then winds coming through, and then eventually the rain came through and, and it washed us all away. But. Uh, made it just in time for that last race just i would say sprinkles it was coming down a bit but not too bad and uh, everybody seemed to have got out of there just fine but uh in terms of the racing got a lot of great results and starting with 6a uh got to see uh on the girls side uh, a couple uh historical finishes getting uh, uh individual and team four peats and then uh on the the boys side uh you get uh, a first uh team championship for 
for Gardner Edgerton in, in 20 years and uh, cool little story I'll get to in a bit but also uh, in the individual you have uh, Micah Blomker ends up winning his second state championship finishes career with four top two finishes and uh, he ends up uh, finishing the, the race with a 15-18 uh, mark there and uh, you know multiple that are in that range where you know he's he's trying to push down into that sub 15 minutes and uh, to to have two of those on his resume uh back-to-back years in the the below 1530 is pretty pretty crazy uh but you know for for mike i think uh his story come out of it was less about uh, just the success and more uh, kind of about the stuff uh, you don't really see, which is, uh, you know, he's had some some issues with, uh, you know, just anxiety with racing and with uh, a, a, an eating disorder that came from wanting to be a successful racer that, uh, you know, successful runner that it, it looks like some of the skinnier uh, runners that, you know, he would see on social media and things like that. And so uh, particularly coming out of middle school, that was something that is troubled him and is almost you know for him has been more important than just you know uh, you know I think uh, when I was looking at it initially of the kind of setback of finishing second and then wanting to kind of battle through and come back the next year to to win a state title uh, you know he's he, he had that uh, situation twice and that was really less of the story for him than kind of those personal struggles that he's been working through and now feels like he's much closer to to kind of uh, having those under control he said it's still not perfect it's still uh stuff that uh you know he has to to keep working on but now he's heading out of you know finishing his high school cross-country career with a pretty uh amazing story and uh pretty pretty amazing accomplishments as well so uh it was really great talking with him uh, about that and then uh you know looking at uh Gardner Edgerton getting the 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 team title led uh by Parker uh Way Leon with uh his uh, as a as a senior they got himself into the top three there with uh 1536 in the race and uh you know Gardner Edgerton uh you know had uh some seniors that uh made sure they could get it done Nick Colonzo ends up taking 19th uh but really uh sophomore Kate uh Holton uh ends up taking 20th right there him being added to that top uh, group there as the top three for the Trailblazers. Uh, they all battled illness at different points through that postseason and found a way to make it through and, and to go wire to wire as the top ranked 6A boys team this year. Uh, they end up getting the job done, uh, low score of 76 and uh, stay ahead of uh, Olathe East as the runner up at 93 and uh, Blomker's Shawnee Mission North team at, at, at 102. Uh, for for third place so that's on the boys side and then uh, as I mentioned earlier on the girls side we get that history making performances starting with uh, Anjali Hawker Singh for Olathe North Uh, she ends up winning four straight uh, state titles becomes the seventh cross country runner in Kansas history uh, to be able to to pull that off I think the second uh, that did it in 6A Um, she 
you know, her story is amazing because she had all these physical setbacks. We know of uh, two stress fractures in her legs that end up uh, basically eliminating her last two track seasons. Uh, but the way it worked out each year, she's rehabbing and getting going. Uh, she was able to make it through all of the cross country seasons, really just having last year where she started with a second place finish in one of her first uh, meets out of uh, Olathe Twilight. That was really uh, the only one. Other than that, she got back uh, to taking first place and is able to to you know stay on that trajectory and 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 pull that off. So. Uh, pretty crazy for for her to be able to do that she finishes with a, a 1730 uh that's about that's her best high school uh time if you don't count like the postseason when they're doing the nxr races so uh she's finally back to where she was i think it was a 1732 at the olathe twilight race back in uh back during her sophomore year uh to to be back where she was prior to those two stress fractures. Uh, it's pretty crazy because, you know, you get one and there's a good chance that you're not going to be the same and eventually you're not going to be able to, to keep up with uh, a sport as grueling as cross country but she sticks with it gets back and to, to be back on that trajectory which is a pretty she, she's pretty darn good and, and and to think that she could be even better uh if she got to race more because you only really ran four times this year heading into state or three times this year heading into state uh is pre pretty crazy um so you you look at all of that and amazing performance from her and then from the, the the team side uh very similar in the the historic nature late the west uh, ends up getting their fourth straight and i mean pretty close to could have been five they, they took second uh place uh back in 2019 when they kind of let the cross-country world know that uh they were coming for them and uh they've just been so dominant over the the last four years uh you know except for these big uh, you know, national races going, you know, to things like the, the Rory Griak Invitational, everything else, they've won every single race over a four-year period, which is crazy. And it's even crazier when you get into the details of looking at the numbers, uh, just like with this win, uh, 45 points, uh, Olathe North, uh, led by Hawker Singh, ends up runner-up uh, at 68 points. And then Shawnee Mission East third with, with 103. But that 23 point gap that's really been the story of every big race it doesn't matter what it is uh they get all these low numbers and 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 you know to have you know their top runner Karis robinson last year who took third that was the best finish in school history she graduated lost Paige baker as well it doesn't matter they keep reloading and going and uh get to a position where you know they're able to to get almost seven runners on the podium uh pretty crazy you start out with uh Bree Newport uh gets sixth place leads away with an 1842 uh not too far behind uh Kate Miller in ninth uh right behind her Liz Browning in 10th and then you just start going through these uh these uh, top 20 runners and it's still Sydney all uh, sophomore who spends most of her time doing soccer she's on the list uh, and then they even get Jasmine Steed uh, and Lily Brewer uh, are 21 and 23 respectively so to have seven runners in that top 23 and even in a year where 
now you're like, okay, can they five Pete next year? Uh, you lose Newport as a senior, Kate Miller as a senior, uh, and you're still looking at a very loaded team that's going to come back and try to keep that streak going. So just utter domination from Olathe West uh, in, in 6A. So really great there. And then uh, looking uh, in, in, in 5A, uh, you know, on the, the boys, you have uh, Shawnee Heights, Jackson, uh, Esquivel ends up uh, winning that race with a 1534. Uh, and he it was a very close race. Bishop Carroll's senior Dustin Stevenson was right there behind him all the way through. Uh, they, you know, it was, it was there was a moment where even uh, Jackson's coach uh, Josh Oshel uh, was a little scared. He was watching and and seeing it going in the last eight hundred meters, and he could see that that Stevenson was, uh, you know, still. He he described it as he looked like a million bucks at that point in the race, and he was kind of concerned. But uh, then he just saw you know this moment where Jackson kind of exhales. He gets on his toes, and if you've seen Jackson run, he's got a little bit of this kind of robotic movement where you know he just kind of looks in it, and he's these elongated motions, and he kept that up all the way through that that final 800 meters, ends up winning by five seconds, just pulls away, uh, and gets his first state title. Uh, and and this year, I mean, he won every race except for uh, one time that he ended up going up against Micah Blomker. So uh, only loss was to the 6A champ uh you know he has a great season uh he had to run that one as the only Shawnee Heights runner in the race but uh everybody everybody in his team showed up his family's there the, his coach said there were kids that aren't on the team that still showed up to cheer on Jackson as he ends up taking home that state title and then uh in the the boys uh team race it is Blue Valley Southwest once again. Uh, as soon as they ended that uh, Aquinas stranglehold on 5A boys, uh, they, they've decided that it's it's their show now, and uh, they end up scoring 52 points, uh, not uh, too far ahead of a, a little bit of a surprise. Spring Hill ends up sliding into the, the second spot with 65 points, and Bishop Carroll takes third with 91. But uh, Blue Valley Southwest, we talked about it uh, in the preview podcast. Uh, it's uh, those two Bueller brothers who were uh, sons of assistant coach Greg Bueller, who's also the, the uh, head coach of the Blue Valley Southwest track team. And uh, this time the younger brother ends up coming out ahead. He gets uh, a fourth-place finish to lead the way 1549 uh, and then his older brother crew ends up uh, taking eighth and you start you know looking uh, you know in that group they they get uh, Alex Roberts is a newcomer for the team sophomore that uh, takes 12th uh, same thing with uh, Elijah uh, Chavez uh, is a junior who takes 19th and uh, I, I mentioned the newcomer aspect because uh, I learned of a ceremony that they did I wish they would have told me about this last year but after they finished uh head coach Aaron Ballou who was wearing two rings out there and he'll have three soon but one of those rings 
Rings was from when he won a state championship with Gardner Edgerton 20 years ago, and he actually went over and celebrated with the Gardner Edgerton team. But uh, he also had a ceremony last year when uh, Blue Valley Southwest won their first title, which he carried over from that 2003 celebration. Uh, Coach Larry Ward, uh, he's a science teacher. And he gave them a little science uh, lesson out there. And uh, the the gist of it is uh, if you consume the limestone that you can find all over the course out at Rimrock, the you know, your your body will break down most of that rock, but the calcium carbonate will eventually the ions from the calcium will go into your bones, make your bones stronger, which strong bones helps you run as a cross country runner. So he had these metal I don't even know, tools that he took, scraped off some powdery limestone, handed it to the boys last year, and they all ate some limestone. And apparently that is the key to coming back and winning again because they have strong bones and and went out there and won one more time. But all the newcomers that weren't there for that, they were in for a little bit of, of a surprise. They had to do it too. So now we have a couple more kids who are stronger for it. Uh, I've yet to hear of anybody that's had to go to the hospital. So I'm excited for that news as well. Uh, but really, really fun stuff. And when I told the Gardner Edgerton uh, coach, when uh, I told uh, Walt Cochran and uh, he had Parker Whaley on there and uh, he, he said, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a science teacher. Uh, I'm a history teacher. So uh, he did not follow that tradition when he took over for Larry Ward. Uh, but after hearing it and, seeing how excited Parker got about it he might be feeding some limestone to those boys so we'll keep on check and make sure that we don't see any uh odd reports of kids hospitalizing Gardner Edgerton over the next week but uh that that's uh, how the 5a race went uh and then looking at the girls race you have uh a really uh you know another to Pete for the team title. Uh, St. James uh, ends up taking that one with uh, 68 points, but uh, we mentioned it last time. Great Ben was really close. They get second place with a 78, and then Aquinas ends up being third with a 103. Uh, you know, that one, uh, similar to what we had talked about, was just kind of they had so much depth and they were able to use that. Their lead runner was Katie Price. She takes six with a 1903. Uh, and then they get a couple more uh, up on the the medal stand with uh, Caitlin Minghini, uh, a junior who takes 11th. Uh, and then I had mentioned Quinn Hayes, who had been a top five runner last year. Uh, you know, she she had that car accident in the summer and, and had to kind of slowly get back into it. But uh, she eventually gets herself to the point where she takes 16th with a 1941. But she's just a junior as well. So uh, other than uh, having Katie Price be a senior. Uh, most of this group will be coming back, so look for that to be a team that uh, will have a pretty good chance of, of, of trying to win a third straight uh, team title. And then obviously, uh, we, we know the story of the individual race. Uh, Caitlin Roop for Salina Central, a junior that wins her second straight, could be a third if not for the fact that uh, she could only play one sport as a freshman and she picked tennis. And then uh, a little extra sad because now she's decided too much to play both sports. She gives up tennis and keeps with cross country. Uh, but 
the biggest difference between this race this year and last year. She still ran amazing time, 1736, uh, but she also got a experienced state with a teammate. She went last year solo and only had the boys team to, to celebrate with this time. Uh, Kaylee Schultz right there with her as a freshman. And sure enough, uh, they went one, two all season. They didn't disappoint, uh, at state Kaylee Schultz gets runner up with a 1758. It was still a little bit of time. You got those 22 seconds for, for Caitlin to wait, but she could look back and see her along the skyline and then boom, got to celebrate with her. And they got a, a pretty long period of time before, the the third runner made it across uh seaman uh sophomore ryan miller uh finishes at 1836 and then they all start rolling in but uh those two salinas central girls uh you know one and two and now they're just hoping that maybe the salina burn run team will have a couple more uh youngins to to join up with them and maybe they can uh, make it as a team this next year as Caitlin tries to come back for her third straight state title. So, uh, you know, that's for 5A and a lot of uh, great history happening or potential history with uh, Caitlin there. And uh, I'll throw it back to Brent to to take us through for a I'll start with four a uh, in uh, in Wam- in Wamigo. Yeah, uh, first though, I'm, I think we got to get Scott to go cover uh, state cross country up in uh, up in Rimrock, uh, and maybe man, he can I'll get a, follow that Blue Valley Southwest team around and get a little rock chalk in his system too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know about that, man. I don't know. I did notice Scott's face had the worst look on it as I'm talking about. It. I was like, was this for the safety of the kids or is this the rock chalk business? Yeah, he 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 put on his grimace mask there for a minute and uh <laughs> upon hearing that but uh yeah while mac was over battling uh battling the elements and lawrence i was uh out, out at wamigo i never got any rain over there which was nice but it, it was definitely cold but uh you know cross-country lover runners love cold weather for some reason I, obviously it's better than hot weather because you're not just out there baking but uh something about the cold weather when i talked to them um most of the champions they they, they just loved loved how it running i mean maybe it was a little cool for some of them but uh they found the conditions that are liking and the performances really showed and we'll start with class 4a and and the first race of the day uh it was brisk it was in low 30s that morning but uh we we got started with a bang with a bang just a just a great race right off the bat in the class 4a boys and uh you know coming down the stretch over the last um, last mile or so it looked like zach arnold from eudora was gonna move up from being a runner-up finisher last year into being a state champion this year. He held the lead, had uh, McPherson's Caleb Mueller kind of on his shoulder, kind of where he wanted to, and and was looking pretty strong and in, in, uh, in potentially winning that race. And then they got to that final curve, and Zach looked back, kind of turned his head and looked back a couple times. And the second time he did that, Caleb made him whip his head back because Caleb just took off down the, down the – uh, down the finishing stretch like a flash uh, and ended up pulling away and winning by almost a full second, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when they're coming down the stretch, a full second is quite a bit. And so Caleb Mueller, a sophomore from McPherson, who didn't start running cross country until his freshman year, uh, came out last year uh, last year as a freshman because his track coach in middle school said, you know, I think you'd be pretty good at cross country. I think you should give that a try. He did. He's fallen in love with it. And now as a sophomore, he's a state champion. He wins in 15 minutes, 58.8 seconds. Uh, Arnold takes second, 15, 59.7. So just less than a second behind 
uh, Arnold right there as a uh, runner up for the second straight year. And then Blake Logan, who'd kind of been the 4A leader going into the race uh, from Circle High School. He takes third, 1606.10. And then fourth was Drew Elliott of Chapman in 1609.6. And then after that foursome, then came the, the Bueller Crusade, uh, the Crusaders and the Crusade. Uh, the next three spots all occupied by Bueller runners Lane Whistler, Caden Lawrence, and Gavin Lindahl, senior, senior, freshman. They go five, six, seven, all finish within 20 seconds of each other. And that set Bueller on its way to winning another state championship. They had their string broken last year by Wamigo. Uh, they had won four straight going into the last year's meet. Wamigo edged them out last year. That put a little, little fire, and Bueller came back with a vengeance this year. They scored 31 points, which is their lowest total from any of those title teams. And they won by 63 points over Wamigo this year to get back their Class 4A state title. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll have some holes to replace. Uh, Whistler and Lawrence were two seniors that have been a big part of, of some of those previous championship teams. But then they returned just about everybody else. You got uh, – they ended up putting five runners, all five of their scoring runners in the top 14, which is pretty amazing when you get to a state tournament, a state meet, especially at the 4A level, uh, to have that many guys that high up. But uh, Henry Trump takes 11th. He's a junior. Kai Mendenhall takes 14th. He's a junior. He'll be back. And then, uh, then they, you know, have Cameron Yetzi. He's a senior. He took 30th. And Hunter Metzger was a senior, and he took 33rd. So they'll graduate four seniors off that team, but return a pretty solid nucleus with Gavin Lindahl, Henry Trump, and Kai Mendenhall all coming back uh, next year to get have Bueller maybe go after another team championship, which would be six and seven years if they were able to accomplish that. So Bueller takes the Bore boys team title, and McPherson's Caleb Mueller wins the 4A boys individual title. And then the 4A girls race was held later on in the day. And, um, you know, it was one of those deals where Circle's Brett Jacobson had kind of been that dominating runner out in Class 4A this year. Her times had really been great. She had been kind of the leader in Class 4A. And something about the postseason has just been tough on Brett. You know, last year she made it to state as a regional champion. And then late in the race uh something physically just came over her and she wasn't able to actually finish like she pulled off the pulled off the course and and wasn't able to finish it was really disappointing and then this year coming out of regionals uh she had experienced some issues again regionals i from what i was told had to crawl across the finish line ended up taking like sixth seventh or eighth somewhere around there at a regional and i was told she might not run at state again this year but she did run and she ends up taking sixth and so she she gutted it out and finished sixth but that left uh with her kind of out of the mix that really left it to uh eudora and uh Hannah Keltner had won the Wamigo invitation earlier this year in September in pretty dominating fashion, went out and really took control of that race. And her teammate, Sydney Owens was a little bit further back in the pack. She was battling some illness early in the season. Well, and when I talked to Keltner that day, she said the whole goal is for either her or Sydney to win state, whichever one wins it, either one was going to be happy. They just wanted them to win the state individually after they'd won the team title the past few years. So, uh, Sydney and Hannah both show up and both have great races on Saturday. And Sydney is actually the one. She caps her senior year with her first state championship. You know, she'd been in the top three all, all of her years in high school and runner up twice. And then this year she finally gets the title, finishes in 1847.9, uh, beats Keltner by almost 12 seconds. Keltner takes second. Uh, 1859.6 and those so Eudora goes one two and that sends them to the team championship as well you know they had lost to Baldwin at the Frontier League meet uh, a few weeks ago 
And so that kind of kind of put Baldwin maybe as, as a potential favorite. They were ranked number one in the final coaches poll going into state. Eudora was ranked number two. But I, I think most people thought it was going to definitely come down to those two, and, and that's what it did. But Eudora gets a great day from its secondary runners uh, behind Owens and Keltner. They also had Addison Williams took 13th, uh, 13th place to really get up there. And then they had Addison Metcalf takes 33rd and Sophie Whalen takes 37th. So Baldwin uh, takes second as a team. They score 71 points to finish 14 points behind Eudora. In the team race, Ireland Kennedy, who's led them all season long, so he leads them again. She ends up taking fourth individually. Uh, teammate Shea Griffin takes fifth. So they go 4-5 right behind Owens and Kelton. We're going 1-2. And, uh, and then Baldwin also gets uh, – some good performances from Bailey Smith in 21st, Lily Breckheisen in 22nd, and uh, and go down here a little bit further down to get their last, uh, Rachel Watkins in 49th. And so uh, Eudora and Baldwin, the Frontier League rivals, uh, they've been kind of the dominant forces in Class 4A cross country for the last decade plus. Uh, Baldwin, one of the most historic programs in the state. Eudora really made it has made its mark since the arrival of Owens and Keltner, uh, you know, three years ago. And they get their third straight state championship there for the girls. Uh, Clay Center's Lauren Smith takes third individually, and teammate Kylie Feisenmeyer takes seventh, and Clay Center finishes third as a team in Class 4A. And so that's your Class 4A champions. Bueller boys, Eudora girls are your team champions. And then McPherson's Caleb Mueller and Eudora Sydney Owens, your individual champions. And then 3A is back over at Lawrence at Rimrock. Four A's at Wamigo because they're the hosts, so you don't have six five four at one, three two one at the other. But three A back over at Rimrock, and uh, we saw a lot of familiar faces uh, on the boys' side for sure, winning state titles over there, Mac. Yeah, and I, I won't complain with the the four A situation with Wamigo hosting because that just means I get three A and I get to watch Clay Shively uh, just tear it up on the course uh, two times in a row. Uh, he ends up finishing this one with a, a fifteen uh, forty eight, and uh, I think the big story is in addition to leading Wichita Trinity to their third straight team title. Uh, you know, I, I think in talking with him last year and seeing that he ends up setting the all-time state record out of Olathe Twilight. You know, all I can think is he's dead set on ripping through that uh, all-time course record time that uh, Shawnee Mission East Wyatt Houghton set last year that Clay was a little upset because he got uh, started later in the day when it was a little bit hotter and uh, ends up not being able to, to keep pace with that. He doesn't even try to go for it. Uh, Clay is completely at peace he wanted to finish his last cross-country race uh, running alongside his teammates. He wanted to uh, have a joyous finish, and sure enough, uh, you got to watch it. It was a crazy thing to see uh, his teammate. This is the second year in a row because last year, uh, Jacob uh, Hobson, who ends up finishing sixth, he was the runner-up, uh, but there was a gap between him and Clay. This year, senior Samuel Ferguson finishes second, uh, and and they end up being side by side. They both do fingers to the sky. And I mean, it was even more than that. Like Clay had uh, a little bit of a gap and he waited. He made sure they finished almost identically. Uh, Ferguson's time ended up being 15, 48, 10. And, you know, I had to ask afterwards. I was like, were you concerned at all that Sam was just going to lunge forward and just be like, 
you got a state title. This is mine now. And, uh, you know, uh, in talking with uh, Coach uh, Wichita Attorney, Coach Eric Carroll, he said that was never going to be a concern because, uh, you know, uh, Sam and, and Clay are two of the most selfless, uh, you know, runners he's ever coached, and it wouldn't be a problem. But also in talking with Clay, he said – he wouldn't have been mad if that happened. Like if, if Sam got his own, like all that matters is one, two, that's three points. This is a, a team sport. And Clay said that over his years, it's taken him a little bit longer to, to really grasp that, but it's definitely for him. Now he, he completely understands of this is a team. We did this all together to, to take first and they do, they take it with their 48 points to, to have a pretty big gap between uh, Southeast of Celine uh, at 73 points for a runner up. And then Holcomb uh, takes third with 98. But uh, you know, Clay had what the last thing on his mind was even winning uh, state as long as they got those top two spots. Uh, he wasn't concerned with that uh, sub 15 time uh, out at Rimrock. He just wanted to, to be able to celebrate his team, and he got that. And uh, it was a you know really cool uh, moment to see. And then uh, you know if you want to know what kind of team player he is, uh, just look at what happened at the end of the uh, girls' race. So uh, they get uh, uh, both individual champs. They get uh, sophomore Emily Hine actually uh, gets the upset uh, over. Uh, Bree Allen, junior from Prairie View, won last year. She's had now three top two finishes, similar fashion to, to, to Michael Blomkren uh, that we talked about earlier. Uh, but when she's finishing, Clay has snuck into the media area to uh, shoot some video of his team going through it. You know, Clay earned it. I didn't. I didn't push him out like I would anybody else that was trying to take up my space in the the media area. But uh, he used whatever energy he had left to cheer on all of the the Wichita Trinity girls as they end up taking uh, runner up in the the team race. But uh, you know, Emily Hine. Uh, you know, this is the first time she's got a race against Bree since state last year. Uh, and and I think Emily, uh, if I remember right, I think it was like 19th or something. Uh, but you know, she definitely comes on strong as a sophomore and starts winning races. Uh, you know, it's it, not so much of a upset because she wasn't already running great. Just, you know, you have a defending champ come in and run as well as Brie Allen had, uh, during the year. Uh, you, you kind of just have to have her as the, the front runner, but, uh, Emily Hine ends up finishing at 1837 and, uh, Brie has to, uh, edge out, a. a uh, Janae Fugit from uh, Cimarron uh, for that second place spot because Bree finishes with a time of 1924 and uh, Janae is not too far behind at 1927 and uh, you know that's going to be an interesting one since they're both going to you know uh, most likely be back next year uh, and so it'll be uh, should be an amazing race uh, if, if everything uh, goes to plan, seeing those two battle it out uh, at next year's 3A girls race. But in the team race, it wasn't anybody that was in the top five that decided that one because, uh, once again, Southeast to Celine, they get the four-peat. Uh, they do it uh, with, uh, you know, 
big gap between them and Wichita Trinity. 52 points uh, for the Trojans to Wichita Trinity's 112. And then Norton Community takes third with a 115. But for Southeast Saline, this is the first time uh, they didn't have, uh, you know, somebody who was going to lead the pack. And they they figured that out about mid-season, uh, that they really just didn't have anybody that was really going to try to push into the front there. So uh, they, they went with stick together, stick stay uh, as close to the front as you can and uh, it, that ends up working out as their lead runner is Brecken Alderson who takes 11th uh, with a 2020 uh, on there and uh, you know hindsight 2020 great great plan works out because they end up getting uh, four runners who medal anyways uh, even if they don't have a top 10 runner uh, Piper Brown is a freshman takes 14th Abby uh, Comerford uh, a junior who takes 16th and then Anna Jackson, another freshman in 19th. And that's the story as you keep going down the, the list of the other uh, runners that they have. Uh, really, the only senior on the, the list is Sadie Franklin. She finished 50th. Uh, and then they have an alternate as a senior. But otherwise, uh, they have a really great group. And who knows, maybe one of those is develops into one of the top runners next year but uh don't be surprised the southeast of Celine comes back and wins a fifth which would uh tie their all-time mark uh four was already the the most under wade castleman for either program and uh you know five is the the the, the mark that they're going to be chasing and that'll match the school record um really amazing performance from from those teams and uh yeah again uh, seeing clay uh have a you know the end of his cross-country career uh, a couple of their top guys uh you know it, for them to have win i, I should have mentioned that with the boys team they had to pull in a soccer kid uh they already had a couple soccer players that were part of the cross-country team but uh they end up uh bringing in uh bryce wills uh and he gives them that final runner that they needed to make sure that they could win. And he'll be trying to get them a soccer state title, uh, out there this weekend. So, uh, should be interesting to, to see how much that changeover happens. Can Southeast of Celine boys team, uh, win again after having for three of the last four years, they've scored under 70 points and only have one state title to show for it. Uh, a lot of talent still left, even with all those, uh, Top runners have graduated. Girls race packed with young runners should be exciting uh, in future years. But that's uh, how things went down out at Rimrock for 3A. Yeah, Clay Shiley, definitely one of the best. And, Scott, I think you and I are going to have to work with him to uh, – hey, at, at State Track, this is your fair, senior farewell. Let's uh, let's get a little selfish and, and bust that sub four minute uh, 3200 down there or 1600 down at State Track. I know you know last year he had kind of had that off season and and he went when I talked to him at State Track. He said he wanted to walk around with the t shirt saying this is not a not a sub four minute mile because he wasn't planning on trying to get that. But uh, we need to convince him that hey hey let's go out with a bang and, and be a little selfish at State Track. Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of the thing with a lot of these elite runners is that just the high school season, uh, you know, the, it all culminates with the, uh, uh, you know, the Cacia season culminates with the state cross-country meet. Uh, these A lot of these really good runners will go on and compete at, at bigger national events uh, here in the offseason. And that's really – so it's it's kind of a, an interesting thing what they're balancing is, is, is when do they want to peak? When do they really want to go for it? And I think that's been kind of the fascinating thing, to, you know, to try to – to, to try to understand with these with these runners, you know, Shively's obviously, you know, 
he goes down as one of the best that's ever done it in Kansas high school history, but, but he's going to be running, you know, he's already run uh, in some meets against some, some top, top regional and national competition and, and really has built that, that reputation, uh, you know, kind of outside the Cacia season. So it, it's, he's not alone in that. There's, you know, that, that you can go up from 6A on down and, and you'll have those teams and individuals who are doing that. So, uh, yeah, selfishly, we want to see those those big performances at the state meets. And, and uh, yeah, Clay, we're going to put in a little word for you to, to ramp it up for the state track meet this spring. But, but uh, yeah, you see what they're you see what these really good ones are dealing with, uh, you know, trying to trying to balance when they really want to go for go for great times. I will say real quick, I wouldn't hold your breath on him changing that mentality. Uh, the, no. <laughs> the, the quote he gave for me was, why would I sacrifice kind of the joy of kind of not pushing myself in this one and just getting to have the experience with my teammates for a record that will probably be broken in a few years anyways. So with that mentality, I, I don't think you're going to get him to go just all out of state for, <laughs> for our sake. No, I don't think yeah. so. I don't think so. Although if he puts a sub four out at state, that record isn't getting broken anytime soon. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> there ain't there ain't that many guys out there that. Oh, no. by the way, I'm just going to go break Clay Shively's uh, three fifty nine or three fifty seven or whatever he decides to turn in. But uh, I didn't have any guy of Clay Shively's talent uh, at Class Two A, but I definitely had some some great runners in Class Two A and One A to finish up the state uh, state meets over in Wamego. We'll start a Class Two A boy. And uh, and Andrew Schumacher from Kansas City Christian, he was sixth at last year's state meet and really was kind of the number two runner for Casey Christian last year behind Spencer Mumford. Mumford was really kind of their their pace setter for most of the season last year. And and Schumacher, you know, so he set a target on 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 wanting to be better than Spencer. And even though they're good teammates and they and they run for each other and with each other, you know, there's some kind of personal thing there where you know hey, i want to be the best and so uh schumacher came into this year had put in a lot of work in the off season and was gunning for not only mumford but also logan keith from mead who uh who beat him at state track last year in the 3200 schumacher was runner up to him and so kind of had his sight sets on those two guys as the, thinking they were the top guys in 2a he was gonna have to beat to win a state title and lo and behold uh schumacher hit those targets this year uh he goes out and really just really takes control of of the uh of the race midway through and and made it his own i mean he he uh pulled away from the pack and pulled away from like i said a really talented group of guys that was right behind him and he wins in 1546.4 and that's nearly 20 seconds ahead of runner-up finisher who ended up being cody hammonds of central heights the junior from central heights who's had a tremendous season um, broke all their school records in, in cross country this year and really had a great season. He ends up taking second, 1604. Logan Keith, I mentioned from Meade, he ends up third, 1616.4. And then Mumford from Casey Christian, he's fourth, 1622.5. And so, you know, Casey Christian goes one and four, but uh, Schumacher had just a, a really great race, really tactical race. He's a real tall kid. Uh, well over six foot and, and just has that stride and and uh, has the ability to get out there and kind of push the pace and and make people try to catch up with them and and nobody could he was uh, absolutely dominating and winning the two-way boys race and then in domination uh, Central Heights goes out and dominates the team championship uh, I mentioned Cody Hammond took second well right behind him have been the guys that have been right there on his heels all year uh, junior teammates Connor Burkdahl and Owen Miller they've kind of 
kind of gotten overshadowed by Cody's season that he's had this year where he's won more races uh, than, than not. And, uh, and, but those two have kind of been right there, just lurking kind of right behind him. And that's what they did at state. They were right there. Uh, both finished, you know, about 29 seconds behind him. Burkdahl, uh 16, 33.6 Owen Miller, uh, one tenth of a second behind him, sixteen thirty three point seven. So Central Heights goes two six seven in the individually, and that really pushes them to an easy win in the state championship team race. Uh, Christian McCord adds a twenty sixth, and Hunter Johnson adds a forty eighth, and Central Heights finishes with sixty seven points, and they beat Hutch Trinity by thirteen points to win the deep team title. Hutch Trinity. Uh, they had they had three guys in the top 20. They had John Lindstrom, 12th, Cameron Kaiser, 15th, and Jacob Lindstrom, 17th. And then they had Ambrose Pennycuff. I know that was a name we talked about as being one of the great names in the state. He ends up 25th. And so Hutch Trinity, and then they get a 33rd out of Max Ryan. So Hutch Trinity has five that finished before uh, the fifth runner from Central Heights. But at that 267 showing from Central Heights' top three guys really gets it done for him. them. They win their first state title since 2018. And the scary thing is, is all of Central Heights' key guys are underclassmen. Uh, you know, the, the top three that we talked about, all juniors. Christian McCord, also a junior. Hunter Johnson, a freshman. Stetson Miller, a freshman. Rylan Summer, a sophomore. So they're top seven guys, all underclassmen. They'll all be back again next year to, to go after another state title. And uh, when I was talking to Tori Prosser, the Central Heights coach afterwards, he said a lot of guys from that 2018 team were there on Saturday, rooting those guys on and saying, you know, go out, beat, beat what we did, you know, win by more, just absolutely dominate this thing. And so there's a really a strong culture built up with Central Heights cross country right now. And, and it looks like it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And so uh, on the girls side, uh, you know, we talked a lot about Madison Holland from Smith Center, the standout freshman this year. And, you know, what was she going to, what was she going to do on the state stage? Well, uh, she did what she's done all year. She just went out and absolutely dominated the race. Uh, she wins an 1838.4, which was just absolutely way out ahead of Avery Boydston from Ellis. Uh, you know, both of those girls from the Mid-Continent League. And Madison, I talked to Madison. I said, asked her, when did you think winning a state title was going to be a reality? I mean, she, you know, she started the year win after win after win with great times. Uh, her only only uh, non-win this year came at Rimrock, where she finished second to Siemens Ryan Miller, who ended up taking third in Class 5A. And so, you know, I said, you know, you kind of had all these wins going on, but when did you firmly believe you could win a state title? And she said it was when she finally uh, beat Boy – when she met up with Boydston at league and, and beat her pretty handily there. She goes, uh, you know, Avery was a year ahead of her in school, and so I'm sure they met some in middle school and got to see each other run. And so that's kind of been somebody that she's kind of – you know, hat out there is that if I can beat her, then I've, I've got a shot. Well, she dominates Boydston. Boydston finishes in 1916-10 to Howland's 1838-40. So a huge gap there between first and second. And then uh, in third place was Emma Cubitt from Central Heights. Fourth was Faith Eckert from Sterling. And then fifth was the, the girl that maybe going into the season we thought might be the favorite to win uh, Class 2A this year, Peyton Wurst from Wabunsee. Uh, she had finished runner-up each of the last two seasons to Chesney Peterson of Stanton County. And coming back, we just kind of thought, well, it's it's going to be hers. But the emergence of Howland and then Peyton kind of had a, a, some injury issues uh, early in the season. She ran a time trial uh, during a preseason practice and 
and ran it in her spikes with no socks and just really rubbed the skin so raw on the back of her heels that she couldn't wear shoes for a month. And so that really set her back and set her training back a little bit. She thought she had been trending the right way to get down there and challenge uh, Howland and some of those others for the title, but she ends up not not quite getting there this year. She ends up taking fifth with a 1953.8, a little off of what her career best had been. So uh, she'll be motivated coming back next year and and just looking at this uh, top 20 list, uh, everybody but one girl in the top 20 was an underclassman. You've got Emma Cubitt from Central Heights, who took third. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, but two. Uh, Emma Cubitt, who takes third from Central Heights, and Faith Eckert, who takes fourth from Sterling. They're the only, not, only seniors in the top 20, and even going down top 22. Everybody else is underclassmen that finished in the top 22. And so... This field is going to be really good again next year. Uh, you know, we'll see how Howland continues to develop. She's just a freshman. Boyston's just a sophomore. Wurtz is a junior. Uh, Eureka Rosebuck, she was a state placer in 3A last year as a freshman. Comes down and takes sixth this year in 2A um, as a sophomore. She's going to be right there. Uh, Republic Cal- County's Ellie Calloway, Hoxie's Tegan Lindemann, Remington's Chelsea Willer, and Sterling's Kate Inwood. All underclassmen in the top ten. And then for the team race, you have to go down to 14th to find the uh, first finisher for the team that ends up winning the state title. Um, You know, going into the state meet, everybody was kind of pegging Remington as potentially the team to beat and and uh, and had Oskaloosa ranked number two and ranked number third was Sacred Heart. Well, uh, Sacred Heart's the team that ends up taking the team title. They uh, they had lost to Remington earlier this year, but they ran that day with uh, Mia Hamilton injured, and so they really didn't weren't at their at 100 that day. And they end up having just a great uh, state meet. They score 85 points and end up beating Remington by 21 points. Uh, Mia Hamilton, the freshman, comes out and leads them. She takes 14th, and she's the only medalist. But then. Out, just outside the top 20 is where Sacred Heart gets it done. Uh, Gracie Dorsweiler takes 27th. Ava, uh, Lauren Mickelson takes 30th. Eva Matucci takes 31st. Uh, Bethany Campa takes 36th. And Caroline Stone takes 42nd. So Sacred Heart really, really packs them in right there in the middle, especially in that 20, uh, 27 to 31 area where they get three, uh, three of the runners right there. And so Sacred Heart gets it done and a little bit of a surprise in Class 2A. Uh, they take the team title there. And so your state champions in Class 2A on the boys' side, you have Central Heights boys win the team title. Andrew Schumacher, Kansas, Kansas City Christian, wins the individual. And for the girls, Smith Center's Madison Howland caps her freshman season with the state title, and Sacred Heart takes the team title. And then in Class 1A, uh, the Class 1A boys' race was pretty similar to the uh, Class 4A boys' race, where it was kind of a two, two-guy race coming down into that final shoot. And you have the guy that was really second coming into the shoot ends up coming and coming on strong over the end and, and takes the title. Lebo's Caleb Durst uh, wins your 1A boys state championship in 1629.9. He beats Hutchinson Central Christians Blake Yoder by just just almost three seconds. Uh, Yoder second in 1632.7. And they were pretty much side by side making that turn. And Durst said when they kind of make that corner, Yoder kind of kind of squeezed him, pinched him a little bit, made him made him kind of get off stride a little bit. And he goes, you know what? I probably would have done the exact same thing, you know, just kind of maybe throw him off stride and give, give that little bit of advantage. But Durst found his stride, charges hard down the stretch. And it was a good story for Caleb. You know, he started the year, uh, had some shin splints and was on crutches for uh, three weeks. And he wasn't sure if he was going to get back to race. He kind of thought maybe his junior season uh, was going to be over before it really even got started. But 
he uh, he fought through the pain and and got back to running and then uh, and had a really solid season and and uh, it was actually a sixth place finish that he really uh, really kind of turned the corner for him at Osage City. Uh, it, it was a super fast day that day. Uh, the times were just insane at that at that race, almost Olathe Twilight uh, fast, and maybe even faster than Olathe Twilight. I mean, it was just it was crazy how fast the times were that day. But Durst took six, but really. Uh, Crop took like 40 seconds off his career best at that meet, and that he said that gave the confidence that he could go out and do it. And so he goes out and he wins the state title um, in pretty in pretty convincing fashion, coming down the stretch there with with Yoder. Uh, he just really turns it on, uh, has a great kick down the end, and and he wins by three seconds over Yoder. Nest City's Broxton Gall takes third. Uh, Pratt Skyline gets four or five finishes from Ethan Robinson and Jude Nelson. Opie's Caleb Arnold takes sixth. Gossel's Eli Gator seventh. Sharon Springs, Wallace County's Evan Pierce eighth. And then uh, Kiowa County's Samuel Martinez ninth. And Osborne's Johnny Hamill was tenth. And then, again, kind of like in the 2A girls, didn't have any runner in the top ten, but Quinter boys really pack it in after that top ten and they win the team championship for the second straight year. Elliot Churchwell goes 11th, and then they get Kendrick Selensky in 17th, Micah Simon in 18th, Hans Deaton in 21st uh, to round out their scoring. Class 1A uses only four runners instead of five for their scoring methods. And so Quinter really packs it in at 11 through 21 with their top four runners, and they run away with the team title this year. They score 55 points to beat Beloit St. John's by 26 points. Beloit St. John's second with 81. Uh, and actually, Ness City ties Beloit St. John's with 81 points, but uh, went, Beloit St. John's takes second on a fifth runner tiebreaker. And so those are your top three teams in 1A boys. And then in 1A girls, kind of like in 2A girls, we had a freshman who burst on the scene this year. And really, from start to finish, Ellie McCrory was just absolutely dominating this year. The freshman from Northern Heights, uh, she did not lose a race this year. She won her division at Rimrock. She opened the season, uh, really opened eyes this season when she went out and won the 3-2-1A race at Wamigo earlier this year in September and blew the field away. And she ends up absolutely destroying the, the 1A field. She runs an 1830.7, which was the fastest time by anybody at Wamigo on Saturday and wins by 51 seconds over Attica's Katie Hempill, who finishes in 1921.8. So McCrory with an 1830.7. I mean, she was, she's just, she's not very big, but man, she just out there and just powers through and just, just looks smooth. And I was kind of standing in the, uh, in the shoot at the finish with former Riley County legendary coach, Gary Siegel. And uh, he hadn't really known much about her. He'd known a lot about Northern Heights because Riley County and Northern Heights used to just battle each other when they were both in the Mideast League together. And, and they would battle for league titles and, and team state championships back when Northern Heights was up in three a and, and uh, he was watching her come in. He goes, boy, she just has it. And, and if Gary Siegel says you got it, you got it. So uh, he's coached some of the greats uh, in state history. And so uh, Ellie McCrory, just an outstanding, uh, outstanding freshman year. And she's going to be somebody to keep an eye on going forward. Love to see her and, and Howland race each other, see how that would come out because those two freshmen are just outstanding and, and, uh, and will be athletes to watch for serve for the next three years uh, going forward. Uh, like I said, Atticus Katie Hemphill takes second. Elyria Christians, Laney Reif takes third. And then Colony Crest, Joe, Josie Walter comes in fourth. And so um, great showing. And then for the team race, uh, you know, we talked a little bit going in how, how impressive it was that South Gray uh, not only had the uh, 
uh, top seed at the Class 1A Division I state volleyball tournament, but also had the defending champion in, in state cross country and, and South Gray girls. You know, last year, they kind of snuck up on people. They really kind of pieced together a team uh, from the year before. They only had one runner the year before. Last year, they convinced some more girls to go out, and they surprised everybody, win the state title. This year, they had to deal with expectations, and, and they lived up to them uh, in a big way. Uh, South Gray goes out and scores 42 points to uh, win the state title by 57 points over Nest City, uh, and South Gray just has, has a great day. They're led by... J.C. Deegis, who takes sixth individually. Uh, Kylie Stapleton finishes eighth. And Gwen Jantz takes ninth. So they put three in the top nine to go out and win that team title. And then Jenna Simmons, a freshman, takes 19th to uh, round out their scoring. And so South Gray, really dominant. And uh, a, a team that's certainly set up for a three-peat next year because all four of their top runners were all underclassmen. They only had one runner on their team who was, an, uh, was a senior. And she finished well back in the pack uh, and and in in the in the group. And so uh, their top five runners overall were all underclassmen. And so South Gray uh, with a dominating performance uh, and gets it done with another team title. So their second straight team title. And so uh, your team champions, uh, repeat champions and team titles. Uh, you got Quinter boys and South Gray girls. And then your individual champions were Caleb Durst of Lebo and Ellie McCrory from Northern Heights. And that will wrap up our state cross country coverage. And, and uh, we checked a couple more boxes off the list of our fall sports championships. And we'll get another one this weekend with boys soccer uh, hosting their semifinals on Friday and then state championship and third place matches on Saturday. Class 6A will be held at Topeka's Hummer Sports Park. Class 5A will be held at Spring Hill High School. And Class 4A will be held at the Stryker Sports Complex. And in Class 6A, uh, the defending champion won't be there. Uh, Mill Valley won the title last year, but the Sunflower League will still be represented strong at the uh, 6A state tournament. And Mac, uh, two of the four teams going to 6A are from the Sunflower League. And what does it look like for Olathe East and Shawnee Mission West to keep that title in-house? Well, I mean, just starting with, you know, what you mentioned with Mill Valley, uh, that being a, a loss where uh, in the, the regional final, Shawnee Mission East uh, avenged uh, what was a uh, really tough uh, state uh, quarterfinal match uh, from last year where that went into to PKs as, as Shawnee Mission East had to, to come back and, and push it and uh, in the end Mill Valley ends up getting the win and goes on to win a state title well uh, without all of the same pieces there for Mill Valley uh, Shawnee Mission East laid it on thick in the regional final to, to you know win uh, 4-1 and they make it in uh, but their depth is so uh, you know big in Sunfire League even with as good of a year Shawnee Mission East has had as Sunfire League champion you go up against uh, in Olathe East, and and this is a team that uh, you know they are uh, a very well balanced team. Got depth. They also have Aiden Bomar, who is apparently uh, outside of those the uh, all time leading goal scorers that Brent's been keeping up with. Aiden's probably right there with them as as guys who can on any given night just put up three or four goals and not surprise anybody when he does it uh that you know and and you know he can do that and 
but also they have the defense to win a game like they had against Johnny Mission East in the state quarterfinals, four overtimes, and they end up getting the 1-0 victory. Uh, so that's a, a really talented team that'll go up against uh, Dodge City, Dodge City being one of the uh, ones that uh, had, had beat Olathe East uh, as well as Shawnee Mission West. So potentially uh, you knock out a Shawnee Mission East team that beat you, you you go up against Dodge City. If you can beat them, you might end up facing Johnny Mitchell West. They might be able to beat three of the four teams that that uh, got a victory over them this year. Uh, and then you look over at Johnny Mission West, and uh, that's a team that uh, may have three, uh, you know, guys who uh, you could put in that elite level of scores. Uh, Sergio Hernandez with 18 goals on the season uh, broke in the the uh, team scoring record. He's a junior, and you know he he was was very big. I know in them getting the the win over Blue Valley North in the the regional final, and then uh, for them to go in and face an Olathe West team that you know didn't win uh, last year, uh, but has been in you know so many state finals over the last four years uh, have won championships in that time. Uh, that's a really tough team and well coached with, with Matt Trump over there that to get a three, one victory, that's a pretty impressive heading into the, the uh, into state. So keep an eye on, on them. And, you know, I just mentioned uh, Sergio Hernandez, but they also have uh, Marco Hernandez as a midfielder, uh, Phil Mutatonk, uh, Mutatonka, I'm going to mess that up every time I try. Uh, Kevin DeAndrade and uh, Brian Andrade's. So uh, just a lot of depth on that team, and they they have the the firepower on offense. So uh, looking at how good they've been, I mean, either two of those teams you know, could win a title. But I think when you look across uh, all of the four teams uh, that, that made it to state, anybody could win because this is just a really uh close talented field here in 6a yeah and i think uh if you if you had to pick a favorite uh, it would probably be dodge city and ricky uh you know dodge city is is the program that's kind of uh carried the flag for the non-metro area the metro kc area when it comes to class 6a soccer um you know multiple titles on on their resume and they certainly look like they've got a chance of of get, adding another one to their crown yeah i went and saw them play tuesday night um you know i think there was a lot of intrigue in that game they were playing liberal liberal handed them their only loss this season 4-2 um so i was kind of curious to see how they would respond and you know i found out right away i mean they just dominated that region that quarterfinal excuse me from the get-go um uh, they scored, I think they scored three goals in the first uh, 17 minutes, and they just continued to lay it on and ended up taking a 7-0 win. But uh, that I think that that team feels like this is the year. And honestly, if I think if you'd ask them, uh, anything but a state championship is going to feel, feel like a, a disappointment for that group. Um, you know, they had a really good year last year, ended up taking third, um, you know, lost lost a tough semifinal to, to a late the West. But uh, this year with that senior leadership, I mean, they've they've done incredible things. I think they've scored the most goals they've ever had in uh in in uh in a season in program history. Um, they have a really they they have a really good duo there, and Aaron Martinez and and Angel Lopez. Martinez has. Uh, 
has a team high. Uh, I think it was like forty-one goals or something. It, and uh, and uh, Angel Lopez was isn't, isn't too far behind with uh, with thirty-three. But um, it starts with those two. I think I think if somebody's going to beat them, they're going to ha- it's going to have to be a low-scoring game because I I could be wrong, but honestly, I don't I don't expect anybody to hold them to scoreless or maybe maybe even a goal because they. They just have so much firepower, and they haven't, and you know, they haven't given up a ton of goals either. I think they've only given up ten. Um, a lot of that is just because they they dominate in possession. They're they're really good at possessing the balls and getting their offensive offensive opportunities. So yeah, I I agree with you, Brent. I think and Mac. I mean, I think it's an open field, but if you had to pick a favorite, I would say Dodge City's the probably the favorite. Yeah. Then the other team that'll be there is Washburn Rural, and oh by the way, they're just eighteen and one and haven't lost anybody in Kansas this year. So you, that rounds out how deep this field is. Uh, Washburn Rural is a team that's always always at the uh, at state tournament. Uh, you know they've been in the semifinals sixteen times. Uh, this is the fourth straight year, which is the first time they've ever done that. Gone four straight years in a row. Uh, you know they 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 were there all the time, but they've never strung together four straight like they have this year. And they they had to beat Garden City two to one in overtime to get there. And so uh, you know they really had to earn that that semifinal berth this year. But uh, Brian Hensel's squad always is is one that's going to be a factor in Class Six A. Their only loss came at the Great River Classic in Quad Cities, Iowa. Uh, where they went two and one, and they lost to a Elgin, Illinois, which is in the final eight, the largest classification in Illinois' playoffs, and so a uh, very quality loss. They beat a powerhouse in Morton, Illinois, uh, at that tournament, and so um, you know Washburn Rural. They, they, I think they start five sophomores, so they're still pretty young, but they've got some good senior leaders. Devin Rushman has 24 goals to lead the team. Uh, he ranks third on their all-time career career. Uh, a goals chart second on the all-time career assist chart and so he's been a he's been a dominating force for them and so you know Washburn World will take on Shawnee Mission West in the 6:30 p.m. semifinal and then Dodge City will take on Olathe East in the 4 p.m. semifinal at Hummer Sports Park and then in Class 5A those will be over at Spring Hill and we've got the defending champion May South is back they're not undefeated like they were a year ago but uh, still. Uh, very formidable is probably the team team to beat in Class Five A this year, Scott. Yeah, they've had a, had, had another really good season. I I caught them in the in the mid season, and they played Andover Central, a very good very good Five A team. Won that game three nothing, and Coach Ray Ramirez spent about twenty to twenty five minutes with his team afterward. And he was not. I mean, there there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of praise being handed out. He was really not pleased with how they had had performed that night. Uh, really sensed there were some things in their game that they were taking for granted. And they were just getting, they were getting ready to head into a real meat of their schedule with, with uh, road matches at, at Derby and Newton. And sure enough, they went out the next night or went out in their next game. Uh, Derby caught them with, with three early goals in the second half and beat them, uh, ended up holding them off and, and ending a, a 32 game winning streak for May South. And, and uh, so really at that point, you kind of wondered, okay, what, you know, the Mavericks are good, you know that, but how, just how good are they? And, and again, they came back out and played Newton in the next game, fell behind Newton, uh, came back and won that game. And I think that was a turnaround, turning point, kind of got them back on track. And, and they have really rolled since then, uh, played really well here down the stretch of their season. And they come in 18 and one. Uh, it's been fun. You know, I know you've been, you've been tracking the, the uh, career score, goal scoring uh, race this year and Peter Jaramel from, 
from May South is has uh, you know kind of taken it and 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 will end up owning it whenever. Uh, well, he's got two. He's going to have two more games no matter what. But he's up at 127 career goals. Uh, he's going to Clemson next year. Outstanding player. Uh, it just seems like every night he's he's rolling out a hat trick or four goals. And and May South really a skilled offensive team. And it has a lot to do with what he can do in the middle. I mean, he he really ante- anticipates the next play very well. Uh, always has. He's just a guy who kind of thinks one or two two plays ahead of the, of the game, and you can really see it in his play. And and uh, so May South comes back into state with a lot of experience. They they finally cracked the, gra- the glass ceiling last year and then beat Blue Valley Southwest in the final, got that first state title. Very experienced team this year with a lot of seniors. They've got Jeremel, uh, Caden Waite. Uh, Nick Emmis, uh, Miles Edwards, those, all those are guys with with state experience. So I think that's that's one thing they really got for them, uh, you know, going in into the semifinals again. And and uh, you know that that veteran group is going to want to want to you know add another one to their to their uh, to their title collection. You know, Scott, you also kind of have the the uh, surprise of maybe the final four as well from from your coverage area and Salina South. You know, they're they're kind of the new newcomer crashing the party here, uh, and a great a great season for the Cougars uh, to to get back into a, a state semifinal. Yeah, that was a great win for them. The Cougars uh, in the state quarters the other night beating Newton one to nothing at Newton. Uh, you know. Salina South doesn't have a lot of state history, whereas a lot, you know, these other teams are, are seem, seemingly are there every year. This is just South's second appearance uh, in the state semifinals, and and uh, but you got to like their batting average. The the last time they made it, they won it uh, back in 2015. Uh, they'll certainly have the uh, you know the the Cinderella role uh, probably coming into this tournament, but or into the semifinals, but uh, have have a great uh, goal scorer in Seth Flores. He's got I think tw- 23 goals this year, uh, most of the uh, of any player in their program, and then like the last seven years in a season, so Salina South has had a has a, had a great season. Owns a great win, a four overtime victory over Bishop Carroll in the regional finals, and then rode that momentum uh, past Newton the other night. So who knows? You know they're in the dance, and and uh, uh, it's certainly going to be a tough challenge for them to play Blue Valley Southwest. But uh, uh, sometimes that that Cinderella slipper feels pretty good, and, and Salina South will be wearing it. Yeah, and then you know the other team, two teams are familiar faces in in Class Five A, and and really the the two programs that have been the dominating powers in Class Five A boys soccer. When you look at Blue Valley Southwest and St. Thomas Aquinas, and and uh, you know Blue Valley Southwest had had won a, a string of titles. St. Thomas Aquinas is the most historic program in state history when it comes to boys soccer, and and Mac uh, for both of them to really come in as maybe not the favorites this year is kind of, kind of a little different for them and, and kind of weird. Yeah. And I, I think for, you got to imagine it's probably helpful for them or feels nice to not have as much pressure as they might have in, in previous years. And, uh, you know, it blew, uh, Blue Valley Southwest is a team that, you know, still it's it's a 16-2-1 squad. Uh, you know, they've had a, a great season and uh, it's just the type of team that yeah, when you get them involved, they can score, you know, almost at will at times. Uh, a 23 goals through their last three postseason games. Uh, when you're led by a, a kid like Crew Alvarez, a junior forward uh, who is at 31 goals this season, set the school record. Uh, he's 
pretty close on assists as well. So uh, he'll has a good chance of getting there over the next couple games. Uh, you add in uh, McLean Dom uh, as a senior midfielder and uh, Michael Bernabe as a, a senior center back. Uh, they are an experienced team that, you know, uh, you got to imagine, uh, you know, you come back from a, a, a state runner-up finish uh you know you got something to prove and you know it also probably helps when that team is also in that group of four with you the team that beat you so uh that's a a team to keep uh, an eye on in the the 5a field and then when you're looking at uh aquinas it's almost uh it, it's like a tale of two seasons for them uh you know they start out and they're three and six uh you know and then uh they end up getting uh andrew uh muckerman a senior midfielder back and he missed nine matches recovering from a uh acl tear last spring uh with him in that group you had uh him uh in there especially with uh the the back line that they have uh this is a team that has just been shutting people down uh sumner academy in the regional final got one goal on him but otherwise uh scoreless the other two outings including the 1-0 win over desoto in the the quarters so uh with that group uh you know you, you have uh Cooper Welsh, senior. Uh, you got Miles Laws, a, a junior, uh, and then uh, John uh, Weinrich, a, a senior. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting uh, Bobby uh, Jorseth uh, as a as a junior. That's part of that that back line. Uh, that's a group that if they can play the defense the way they want to play, and they ha- get just enough offense uh, from Liam Ryan, their senior forward, who uh, is leading the team with 15 goals and has eight assists, they're definitely a, a team that you know we, we know what they've been capable of. Don't let a 12-6 and one record fool you. Uh, they should be able to to push Mays South in that semifinal matchup. So uh, two pretty good groups from my area. Yeah, you know, last year Aquinas had the the little bit of not distraction, but they had to they were looked like the dominating team, and then had to forfeit some of their early wins because of an ineligible pair, and that sent them down. They had to play May South in the semifinals. May South got that win, and then May South avenged the a string of uh, two or three straight losses to to Blue Valley Southwest in the title game last year, and you know this year. You know, we got we got May South against Aquinas in the semifinals again this year, and so um, it should be should be some great uh, great matches going on for that. And then Class Four A will be down at Wichita's Striker Complex, and Bishop Miege has won seven straight state titles and looking to tie St. Thomas Aquinas with the longest streak in the state history with eight straight, and picked off a big one. Tuesday night to get back to the final four. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in talking uh, with uh, Coach uh, Hupe, uh, uh, like they feel like that was probably the state championship game, uh, Miege going up against Casey Christian. Uh, you know, it was a, a 2-1 battle that where Miege got uh, a, a two in the early going, uh, and then Isaiah Morris ends up getting a penalty kick to make it 2-1. That's the score pretty much for a majority of the match. Like, you get into the final 10 minutes – 
And then things got a little crazy as uh, Casey Christian tried to throw everything they could to try to get that one. Uh, they kind of left the the uh, door open for Miege to start knocking in shots, and uh, it ends up becoming a, a 5-2 finish. But that one, uh, the, the closest 5-2 soccer game I've ever been to. Uh, it was just this bitter bitterly cold and just a bitter battle uh there and you know Miege ends up being able to uh, you say it slow it down as slow down as you can uh Isaiah Morris with two goals uh they start out with a sophomore on him he gives him a scare uh early on in the match by by breaking free and uh so they end up uh changing it up to put uh senior Julius Lopez to guard him they shadow him pretty much the whole time uh in uh, you know uh, coach is telling me in each uh, time they battled him over the last three years, uh, they constantly are changing systems mid-game to figure out how do we slow down Isaiah Morris. And, you know, he said afterwards, you know, he told Isaiah, uh, that's a compliment to you, the, the, that we're dogging you this much, that we're putting this many people to slow you down. Big compliment. Uh, and But, you know, they're able to hold it off. And then at the end, uh, you get uh, Patrick Watson gets a header to, to be the silent to really show that the you know it's a, no way for for uh, Casey Christian to come back in the final two minutes of that one, so uh, they get the win. But you know, looking at uh, who they got, I mean, uh, you you have a team that it's not necessarily all that old. I mean, we got a long list of seniors that are on this group, the the five seniors, but uh, a lot of underclassmen that are uh, pitching in for for Miege. And when you you, you look at uh, you know what they were able to do throughout the season not just get that win over Casey Christian but uh to get a second place finish in the Eastern Kansas League as uh their highest finish since 2017 uh you know just going runner up against that Blue Valley Southwest group so uh this is a team that uh at you know 15-4-0 uh have just gotten better and better every time they go out facing this top competition throughout the year uh it's going to be tough for any team to really slow them down it looked like maybe casey christian was actually the best shot and uh they survived it and got a 5-2 win so uh should be very interesting to to see what uh wichita trinity with they've they definitely have run into that buzzsaw that is bishop miege enough it'll be interesting to see what they can mount up against miege yeah, this will actually be the fifth straight year that uh, Miege and and uh, um, Wichita Trinity will have met in the states in the state uh, final four, and uh, uh, Wichita Trinity coming off a uh, just a grueling penalty kick shootout victory over Rose Hill on Tuesday night uh, to to get back to the to the uh, final four, and and uh, a lot of that, as you mentioned earlier, Mac, a lot of the a lot of the contributions have come from the from the cross country team. Uh, Goalkeeper Caleb Toflin, who who finished 11th in the in the uh, 3A cross country race, uh, has taken on goal uh, goalkeeper duties this year. Never played goalkeeper before, but uh, had talked with Coach Casey Casamento. Really wanted to kind of gear his uh, uh, you know kind of take his best course for both sports, and I, and so he moved from the field into the into net uh, this year to kind of conserve those legs for, for cross country. And it's turned out to be a, a great move. He was, he was outstanding the other night at, against Rose Hill, uh, made two saves in the, in the PK shootout and then had a save in the first overtime. Uh, Rose Hill had a, uh, a free kick 
basically just a, what it was was an extended uh, penalty kick. It was like maybe a kick from second base instead of the pitcher's mound, and it and Toflin made a whale of a save to to keep that match going, and and uh, so Trinity uh, gets gets the a great contribution from Toflin in that, and then they've got uh, Bryce Wills who you mentioned. Uh, he he kicked in the final penalty kick or uh, final shootout goal the other night. He's a cross country runner. Uh, Grayson Payne and and Jared Martinson also guys who ran for for the Knights cross country team who play on this soccer team. So so a real cross country flavor for for Trinity, who's uh, you know their mission is to to find try and find a way to break through against Miage. Obviously Miage going uh, going for a little bit of state history and and uh, Trinity has you know fallen to Miage in the in the state finals in 2019, 2020, and 2021, and then and lost to him in the semifinals last year. So uh, it's. Uh, uh, as May South faced with Blue Valley Southwest in, in 5A, this is kind of a similar thing for Trinity as they look for their third state title. They've got to find – they're trying to find a way – everybody's trying to find a way to break through Miege, but uh, Trinity has had, had their chances for sure. And then also here from South Central Kansas, uh, McPherson is returning to the Final Four. And Coach Chris Adrian, I, just he does a whale of a job of getting the Bullpups, uh, you know, to peak at this time of the time of the year, they went in for the to Bueller for the second straight year. Won this won their uh, second straight one nil uh, quarterfinal victory there over the Crusaders on their home field. Uh, they just find a way to to, to you know their I think the records ten eight and one uh, find a way to peak here down the stretch. They they've got four straight four straight shutouts now. Uh, avenged a loss to Augusta in the regional final, and uh, so you know I think. They'll at least have that experience of being of having played there last year. They have a, they have a real great player in Hayden Hoxie, who who's a difference maker, and and uh, so uh, you know if it's Miage in the final, you know McPherson could be that other one in the in the title game. Just to have that experience, maybe over. And I'll throw it back to you, Mac, with Bishop Ward, who's uh, making their first state trip. Don't quite have the experience uh, that the other teams do, but or I'm sorry to Brent. Uh, if you want to talk about Bishop Ward as that Cinderella team, probably in four through one A. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we got the one semifinal is the established powers of Yeas versus Trinity, and then the other ones kind of the kind of the two underdogs maybe coming in McPherson simply because their record is isn't as glossy as anybody else that's at any of the state tournaments. You know, eight losses is is quite a quite a lot. But and then Bishop Ward. They're in the they're in the semifinals for the first time since 1992. So 31 years since their last semifinal appearance. Last year they made the quarterfinals for the first time in a decade. And so you know they're they're a program that's been trending upward. And this year they're 16 and three. Uh, two of their losses came to Casey Christian in their league play. Both of those came in overtime. And then their other loss came to Mie. So Bishop Ward has put together a, a tremendous season. And and uh, you know they they've kind of been working up working up working up you know four years ago they only won i think four or five games and then kind of moved up to seven and then ten and then and they've kind of kept kept that stair stepping up and and they broke through last year they lost to baldwin one nothing in the in the state quarterfinals this year they turn around and get two goals in the final five minutes of the game to beat baldwin two nil so um you look at casey ward you know the coach, I talked to him last night. He said, you know, he's been preaching his team to be be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Well, 
this will be a little bit uncomfortable surroundings, but they should be comfortable in the fact that they know they've they've played with some really good teams and 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 have have done some great things with this program. Really are riding a high right now, and so you know they'll go down to Wichita and play on the turf down there, and that'll be a little bit different for them. They don't really travel much outside the KC metro area for their games. And so, um, but, but, you know, the Cyclones have had a great year and, and have been really coming on strong. And so it'll be interesting to see what they can do. And, you know, either either Casey Ward or, or McPherson's going to play for a state title on Saturday. And so when you get in that situation, you just never know. Maybe the whole newness of the event uh, doesn't phase them. Maybe they're just oblivious to their surroundings and, and uh, just are, are, you know, caught up in the moment. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, Miege obviously has been on quite a roll here in Class 4-1A. Uh, they beat a great team in Casey Christian, like Mac talked about. Uh, Casey Christian was a team that uh, many people thought would be playing in the state title. Isaiah Morris, he's the guy that's been battling Vitor Jeremel for the, for the final goal-scoring lead. And I think Vitor is going to miss not having Isaiah still playing because it seemed like once they found out they were really going head-to-head, Vitor hit another gear, and I, I swear he had hat tricks in every game. As soon as uh, as soon as Morris kind of took that lead for the all time goals, it was just like, all right, Vitor's coming back with a with a vengeance. So we'll see if Vitor can keep that momentum going at, at state without Isaiah there to to keep the pressure on him. But Isaiah finishes with 125 career goals. He'll get some consolation that he'll finish with the all time career points record. You know, with the goals and assists combined. But, uh, you know, him and Vitor just had a tremendous race. And so it'll be fun to see how, how far out Vitor takes it this weekend. And so uh, your state tournaments this weekend, uh, 6A in Topeka, 5A in Spring Hill, and 4A at Wichita Striker Sports Complex. And then, obviously, football playoffs are, are starting to really get rolling. We had our first round last week. Uh, this week we get the regional round and then quarterfinals next week. We'll come back to you next Thursday with a podcast to recap our state soccer and really dive into, into state football and, and take a look at who's left. Uh, you know, most of your favorites advanced out of the first round. We didn't have a whole lot of surprises. Uh, the craziest game was one in eight man football where Clifton Clyde beat Hill city 84 78 on a hook and ladder play with four seconds left in the game to win it. And so uh, you had some, you had a few mild upsets here and there. Kinsley getting knocked out in, in the first round was a, a little bit of an upset in eight-player Division Two, But for the most part, chalk reigned supreme. And we've got some great matchups this week that we'll we'll talk about a little bit next week as we, uh, as we dive into the football playoffs. So uh, that wraps up state volleyball, state cross country, and a look at state soccer. And we will be back next week to wrap up state soccer and look at football. For Mac Moore, Scott Pask, and Ricky Peterson, this is Brent Maycock saying thanks for tuning in to another Casey Covered podcast brought to you by Capital Federal True Blue.